Inspiring. Inspiring. Empowering. Empowering. With the concepts shared by Eric Thurwinger, you can reach your goals and achieve greater results. Think Think great. great. Your pathway to success. Ready to get started? Hey everybody, this is Eric Thurwinger, and I want to welcome you back to another powerful episode of Think Great, Your Pathway to Success. Since we began our journey, we've talked about leadership, goal setting, business planning, and tons of other concepts on initiating great breakthroughs in our lives personally and professionally. But my favorite part of this show is featuring great guests. And today I'm excited and honored to be joined by David Marquet. David is a retired Navy captain, and he was in charge of the Santa Fe, a nuclear submarine. Captain Marquet now helps business leaders around the world by teaching them how to unleash the full intellectual capacity of their team members. He's also the author of the acclaimed book, Turn the Ship Around. It's a great privilege today to welcome Captain David Marquet. I'm, I'm intrigued at the response that you get because I know when I share leadership concepts, it's almost like opening up a Pandora's box, if you will. There, the idea that leadership is important. Every every business leader agrees with that, but they they struggle with where to start. And I wanted to know if you encounter that also, as far as that starting point where they step off. Yeah, it's yeah, because it can be just really, really, really overwhelming. So, uh, sort of along the vein of simplification, one of the things that we've been trying to do is what we call these leadership nudges, which yes. is. Uh, a 90 second, normally we do in 90 seconds, but we're, we're actually going to start challenging ourselves to do, see if we can do it in 45 seconds uh, and, and make it the thing even even tighter. So uh, I don't know if you saw them, but this morning or yesterday's leadership nudge, I was sitting in a bath, <laughs> sitting on the floor in the, in the bathroom of a hotel uh, demonstrating <laughs> a mechanism um, about leadership. But yeah, I think like where you start is really important. And we tell people, we, when, we, when we interact with uh, clients and organizations, is you always start really, really small, and it seems like almost ridiculously small. And yeah. our, our focus is to start on behavior. Um, so, for example, I'll give you two of my favorite ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is, say, we, not they. And, and we don't explain why. You know, they kind of get why, you know, you don't spend too much time on that. But so, so for example, uh, one of our clients is a global construction company. And in construction, there's a lot of they, as you can imagine. Sure. Even, and this company has the benefit of being an integrated company in that they have the development side as well as the construction side. Not only that, but they have financing at the front end and they have management at the back end. But the main two silos are the development guys and the construction guys. And normally there's this kind of Chinese wall between them. There's a lot of they. So you start, so you say, well, let's, 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 we want to be a team. And you say, well, what, what would help you be a team? They can't even answer the question because they doesn't, they don't know what it feels like to be a team. So you say this, okay, look, just start saying we, whenever you're in a meeting, whenever you send an email, whenever you write a report, when you refer to anybody uh, within either of the silos, you have to use the word we. And then what happens is they start realizing all those things, the way they route a certain min- meeting minutes, uh, the way um, a form is processed, 
uh, the way a contract is written, all those things kind of then expose themselves. It's like the the tide is receding, yeah. you know, and, and and then you see the rocks and they expose themselves. So now we're at the point where we can then have a discussion and now we can attack those things. But it always starts with the beha- with the behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And I found too that once you can get into the leaders' heads about taking a true leadership role. Then the next step is getting them to understand a, a concept that I know that you preach on, which is everyone is a leader, or at least everyone is capable of being a leader. And so at, right. w- at what point do you start to get the leaders to understand that? And I, and I love the way you phrase it, you know, lead leaders, not just lead followers. How do you get that transition to happen with them? How do you get leaders to start thinking that everybody else is a leader, too? Well, uh, it depends a little bit on what, on what your definition of leadership is. If you're, if when when we say leader, if you picture someone giving a whole bunch of orders and bossing people around, that's not what we're really talking about. Right. For us, leadership is about uh, people. We we have a concept of what we call red work and blue work. Uh, red work is production work. Red work is execution work. Red work is um, assembly line work. It's it's like the work, just getting the work done. Yeah. And blue work is the decision work. So, so red work is, is, is um, building the thing. Blue work is deciding what we're going to build and when we're going to launch it and what features it's going to have. And our, our assertion is that business value is going to be predominantly created by blue work, not the red work. Right. Right. And, and that's, you know, that's basically where the future lies. So, so, so we, if we need, so if we buy into that, then we got to get people to think. And if we need people to think and, and get them engaged, uh, I think it's very simple, which is you just you just give them decision making authority. That's like that's the one step to yes. get people engaged in thinking. And of course, now that opens the Pandora's box. How you know? How do I do that? Do I you know? Is, that's very scary. What if they're not ready? What if I'm not ready? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you don't need a whole. All, all these sort of engagement programs that have all these like um, pieces to them are because they're fundamentally trying to compensate for the fact that they haven't given their people real decision-making authority. So right. they have all these gimmicks around the around the fringes, which of course really don't you know have anything. So you got to get people to think. So and this is what leadership is: is making decisions, thinking, taking responsibility for your decisions, and creating an environment for the people around you. So that they can do their thinking, and so if you buy, you know, again, like if you buy into this whole idea, then it really changes the way you think about leadership, and it did for me. So, for example, I I used to be a source of stress for my team. I used to, you know, mo- quote, motivate, prod, encourage, chide, whatever you know, kick them in the pants, whatever sure. word you want to use, my team to get them going, and 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 that's fine for the production side. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter for simple physical tasks, but for cognitive stuff, none of that helps. Like I can't order someone to be more creative. I can't order someone to make a better decision. None of that helps. And what right. we want to do is flip it. And we have to give, you have to help, help people feel safe. So my sort of journey of discovery was everything that I've been taught about leadership was all about the production side of leadership. And it's, mm-hmm it was unhelpful in the thinking side of leadership. And I had to kind of reach relearn. And what made you uh, flip I, that switch? At what point did you get to, and I know you talk about it in your book, turn the ship around, but could you tell yeah, our I listeners? Made a, I, yeah, I screwed up. <laughs> 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 I 
Man, was, so so uh, I, I was on on path to be a captain of a nuclear submarine, and I, I, I'd gone to school for the twelve months to go take over this one particular ship. And, and at the very last minute, another ship, the worst performing ship in the Navy, the Santa Fe, the captain quit, and we had a we had a submarine, no captain. And so the Navy said, "Well, Mark, you just finished the school. Yeah, sure, it was for a different ship, but you know, certain things don't change." And they sent me over to the Santa Fe, but certain things did change, which were basically the de- the all the equipment. So whereas on the original ship, I could have pushed any button, I could have operated any piece of gear, which was very comforting for me as the leader because we I call sure. no wall tell all leadership, right? You know, yep. all the you're the yep. guy, like you're the man, you know all the answers, and then. So the bottom line was uh, I'm, I'm thrown into this very bizarre situation for me where I just really didn't know the specifics and um, tried tried to act the way I was conditioned or programmed. That'll be my excuse, right? Sure. I was programmed to act in a certain way, and that's how I acted. And that's how the crew acted, and I gave orders, and they followed them. And I gave an order which couldn't be done. And the crew and, I, and one of the, the most senior officers like, actually ordered it and I, afterwards, when it came to light, well, we can't do that. We don't have that setting. It, w- it was a re- really tr- relatively trivial thing. We just didn't have that setting. Mm-hmm. And and I said, well, did you know that? And he said, yeah, actually, I did. I said, well, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he didn't know it. He knew it. I didn't know it. And, he, and I said, well, why'd you do it? And, you know, it's the age old, well, you told me to. And sure. that's when it hit me that everything was about all this idea about, like, we're you know, like imagine the captain on a nuclear submarine, you know, like bold, confident, issuing clear and concise orders. Sure. This is, it turns out, actually the opposite of what you want to be. I, I wanted to avoid issuing any orders. I told my guys, I would henceforth never tell them what to do. But at the same time, they had to come tell me what they intended to do. In other words, if I was going to lean back, they would have to lean forward into me. And what happens in too many organizations is the boss is leaning into the team and saying, oh, let me tell you what to do, da 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 and then they go check on it. That's and right. the team, as a result, is sort of leaning back, and we force them into a reactive posture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and then we say, why are you being so reactive? Why are you waiting to be told what to do? It's like, what, what are you talking about? Like, that, that's how you're operating. That's right. So, so, so going back to what we do as leaders – it's about what I can control. So my normal reaction would have said, you guys need to be proactive. You need to take initiative, blah, blah, blah. It's all out there. It's all on you. As opposed to, no, actually, it's on me. I need to lean. I need to stop running around telling people what to do to give them space. Hey, everybody. It's Eric. I just wanted to share some great information with you. You can go to our website, www.thinkgreat90.com. Scroll down to the bottom, and you can register for our Great Thought of the Week a weekly inspirational message I send out to help you on your pathway to success. Now back to the podcast. And so how did that transition work for you? Because I know that the, a lot of the people listening right now have not served. They were not in the Marines. They were not in the Navy or the Army or the Air Force. And so they say, you know what, that's a great concept. I need to do leadership the same way. How do you start that transition process? How do you get a leader to start trusting his team or developing his or her team to show intent or to understand intent and to operate without having direct orders yet still be successful. So, so two, two things. One is in a micro, 
in the, in each particular situation, you want to the word we use is tune. You want to tune the level of control to whatever the, their competence and clarity is, competence and clarity, their understanding of what you're trying to do. And so, if you have a brand new team or a brand new employee, you may need to start with like, here, let me give you some instructions. You may need to start. We call that level one on the ladder, which is tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. You may need to start there, but your objective is always to get to intent, which is five steps up. And so we say first say, well, and the, so the first step is, well, just tell me more. Uh, this is a, one of my favorite phrases now. So they come to you and they say, hey, here's a situation, what he wants to do. Resist telling him what to do. That's right. Even if it's just for a minute and say, yeah, tell me more. Mm-hmm. Just say, tell me more. And then get them at description. Description is very psychologically mm-hmm. safe, right? Well, I, you know, here's what we're seeing, blah, 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 blah. You're not asking them to make any judgments. You're just getting them to talk more about what they see from their side. And you got to ask it from a point of curiosity. You got to have the mindset of, you know, they know something I don't know. And my job is to kind of uncover and learn it. Right. Now, if, if you're doing well there, you say, okay, well, yeah, like, what, do you, what do you think's going on? Like, then you get, now you're starting to get into some causal um, analysis. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, well, what, what do you think we should do? If you were me, what would you do? If I weren't here, what would you do? If you had to make this decision, what would you do? And again, it's hypothetical. So you still have the opportunity, you know, like you still have the opportunity to be in control. Right. And if to say turn left, you say, no, no, actually, we need to turn right. Okay, let me tell you why. And then finally, you can say, well, what, what do you intend to do? And then say, okay, now you've put them in a position where un, un, that they don't need your affirmation. Most places are permission based. So they say, right. like, I request permission to do this. And if you don't respond because you, you, you're, they lost the email, <laughs> then nothing happened. Everyone's waiting. But in an intent based organization, they say, this is what I intend to do. You don't respond, doesn't matter. They're not being held up by you. That's You're right. the bottleneck. So it's small, small incremental consistent steps. And the very first step is just tell me more. That's right. So can you share with the audience a little bit, when you made the decision to write the book, Burn the Ship Around, what was your outcome for the book? And I know how powerful it is and what a great, not only what a great read it is, but a but such a great tool to really understand the people side of leadership, which I think a lot of people miss that. But when you decided to write the book, what thoughts were going through your head? What impact did you want to make? So I wrote the book. It was 10 years after I left the submarine. The book is telling a story that's 10 years old in some ways. And my frustration was there were too many leadership books out there where, where, which the, basically they went like this. I came in. I came. I saw I conquered. Right. And then I fixed everything. And then I left. And you can tell those books because people like to put their picture on the cover of the book, right? Right. right. And um, and it's about them. And and the other and the other thing that was frustrating for me was I, I I wasn't really sure what they actually did. You know, they would say things like, "So you know, I took care of my people." Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Like, well, who can argue with that? But I wouldn't know how do they actually do that? How how do they change? Like, what did it sound like? What did the meetings sound like? And um, so part, so what had happened to me was we had this turnaround. It was great and everyone celebrated. We got, you know, awards and promotions. But over the next 10 years, 10 of the guys from the ship were selected to be uh, captains of submarines, which is a really highly disproportionate number. And it finally hit me. Actually, a couple guys told me, so this is the story. 
it, it, it's not that we turn things right. around. It's that we did it in a way that created all these leaders and the lives of these guys. Um, for me, they're all guys. We now have women on submarines. But uh, th- that these people had better lives yes. because we believed in them as leaders. And so that so I felt that was, there was a gap there. And that was the story I wanted to tell. And I wanted to be really specific. And I have to tell you, it, it was a terrible year of my life i hated it mm. it sucked yeah and my <laughs> wife would be like aren't you riding and i'm like no i'm gonna go for a bike ride i i'll, I'll do it later you know and it was yeah. just, it was so bad and uh, like i'm an engineer i'm not you know, i don't know and then um <laughs> and, and, and i and i went through six versions and they were all wow. crap and then finally i just said like I basically said like F it. And mm-hmm. I just said, I'm going to just open my brain and expose all my insecurities and vulnerabilities that I went through. Uh, and then, and then, and then it started coming together. Yeah. Well, it certainly made an impact. And I think one of the things that I find most fascinating about the book is that it guides people to listen to the videos online and the comment section on the videos for all of your videos there's people who served with you on the Santa Fe that are contributing and commenting on exactly what you are describing in your speech or your book, validating everything that you're saying and the impact it made in their life. And that to me is extremely impressive. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. And, um, I know you got a following too, and you had your former uh, Marines that you served with and you got the same thing. And I mean, isn't, and isn't that what really matters in our life? Uh, it's not, oh, look, I bought a new car. I mean, you know, when you're 22, that's important. Great. Sure. But, you know, for, you know, at this point in my life, um, it's that stuff really doesn't jazz me. It's kind of funny because when I was young and, and I, probably everyone, I don't know, most people have this. Like when I was young, I lusted after all these cars. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, I need that. You know, I need for me, it was like the that Trans Am 1981 Trans Am <laughs> with the big eagles. Sure. And, uh, you know, on, on and on, um, you know, well now I can afford these cars. I don't care. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's weird. And, um, but, but it's those guys, you know, and if, and if you're taking lessons from a leadership person and they can't point to someone who they led, yeah. then I'd probably be a little skeptical I, about that whole thing. I agree. I agree. You know, it, it's interesting because, like like you with your company with your book, um, when I made the decision to launch Think Great, I based it on my experiences only. I said if I if I didn't do it, I don't want to talk about it. I want people to come to me and I could share real life experiences. And so I combined two aspects. I combined my experiences, the leadership experiences in the Marine Corps, and I was also my wife's caregiver through four bouts of cancer and cardiac arrest. So we've had a a wide array of uh, challenges that we've been faced with. And then I took I took a lot of the concepts from the Marine Corps and I transitioned them into a media company in California. And I like to say that at the media company, we were more than media. We were a leadership development company that happened to do media solutions. We really did focus back on our people. And I think that's what our greatest strength was. And we grew, that company grew by 300%. And when people wow. asked, yeah, it was just an amazing run. And when people asked, how did you do it? I like to say I was the least technically savvy guy in a technically savvy industry, and I was the vice president. 
I was surrounded by people who were better than me. And what I looked at my job was exactly what you're saying is how can I make an impact in their lives and their careers? And what I did is I developed them as leaders, but a leader of people, not stuff, not, not processes, but a leader of people. I taught them how to manage stuff, manage the work, but lead the people. And I think that was a big gold nugget or seed that I like to plant in people is that have your priorities as a leader. And remember that no matter what industry we're in, we're all in the people business when we're leaders. Yeah. And uh, leadership is always about people. It's always about uh, other people. Like if you go and run a hundred yard dash faster than the rest of the people on the planet, that's not leadership. That's (laughs) that's achievement or accomplishment, right? It's when you, you know, when you create an environment for people to do amazing things, that's right. It's about leadership. And so leadership for us is always external, right? It's not what's going on in your head. And, and, and I say this, and people, sometimes they don't really get what I'm saying. Like, I don't really care what's going on in your head. Like, when someone comes up to you and says, um, I think we should turn left, and you think it's wrong, I, and you, what, what comes out of your mouth is what matters to me. And if the next thing that comes out of your mouth is, well, have you considered, and, you know, um, uh, you know, did you think about uh, and, and sort of arrogant things like that that come from a from from a mindset of you're right and they're wrong? Then then that's not leadership. Right. But if the things that come out of your mouth are, yeah, tell me more about that. Um, yeah, tell, uh, you you're you're seeing it different than I'm seeing it. I'm really interested in that. And from a position of curiosity and that they have something to contribute, that's leadership. Like I, agree. I don't. And that's what I care about. In your mind, you may think that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. I don't care as long as what comes out of your mouth is helpful. That's so right. That, so that's where, I, that's where we live. Well, and I love the focus you have on communication and, and not just generic communication of exchanging information or dialogue, but actually getting them to think. And, and I think that that is one of the biggest missing components, it, certainly in the, in the corporate world today, is encouraging your people to think and then getting them to think enough where they can communicate and eventually collaborate. And I think those are the best sessions that I'm ever in. And you can't, like you said, you can't order collaboration, but you can inspire it. And when I'm in these sessions and collaboration happens, you can almost feel it. And it's something that that, that you can achieve with a group of leaders all focused on an outcome. And and so for me, like you, I, I see that end state in mind. And even as a coach, or a speaker, I have an end state to that commander's intent point where I'm striving to get them to feel that collaboration that can happen between human beings, and it can't be ordered. Right. You can't be ordered. So, uh, And the way we would phrase that is basically the leader sets the conditions. Like we, right. we create the environment that allows collaboration to happen. It's just the same way that the farmer sets the conditions that allow the crops to grow. Like you don't stand on the edge of the field yelling at your seeds and ordering them to grow. Obviously, that will not work. But, you know, if you have them in the right soil, water, fertilize, sun, then they're going to grow. And that's what the leader does. How many people do you find? Do you find business leaders are shocked at the culture in the Navy? I know they certainly are with the culture in the Marine Corps because I say that it's, to me, the most people-centered organization I've ever ever been around. They truly care about their people. And to some people, that's a shock. Do you find anything, yeah. anything shocking? Or, or is there anything that you <laughs> share about the Navy that people are just shocked about that you and I understand? Well, okay, this is going to kind of sound um, 
arrogant, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so so I I was operating on a nuclear submarine, and we had clearly defined ownership. We had clearly defined uh, processes. We had a process for flushing the toilet, as you know. Yes. And <laughs> and underpinning all of that was that we had clearly defined language. We had a book that said, you know, this piece of equipment is called the high-pressure air compressor. You say it verbally this way. You spell it. HPAC mm-hmm. and you abbreviate it like this or you know whatever yep and the, and 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 so when i say i took over the worst performing nuclear submarine which was in fact the worst performing nuclear submarine the odds are about 95% it was still probably better performing than their company <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah in other words we I had understand. probably had better alignment we had yeah. probably better Dis- procedure discipline. Our meeting started on time. Our our keeping track of deficiencies, our fixing problems, and all that was still probably better than what what they've got going on. Mm-hmm. And so when I go into an organization, uh, so, so I think I, I I worry that I kind of overdo that. It was like the worst performing thing because they're thinking it's just you know um, it was just sinking. Hogan's heroes or <laughs> sure. something like that. Yeah, right. And, and they don't really get a picture mm-hmm. that even the worst performing nuclear submarine is performing at an incredibly high level. Yes. It's just uh, the morale was really bad, and we weren't. Um, you know, we were at the bottom of the pack, but. Yeah. Uh, but I you think know, that's nothing blew up. We didn't kill anybody. <laughs> and I think that's just proof positive that in the Navy, in the Marines, in the in the military in general, that starting point for all of us is leadership development. And that's where those expectations are raised. So yes, you could say it was the worst performing sub, but I agree with you. I think that even when we say that from a military standpoint, the worst of the worst um can still rank at the highest of the high in, in the corporate America setting because they really don't have that foundation of leadership or that strong foundation they can build anything on. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I got two, two other thoughts. Um, one is I, th- I don't think the general public has really understood. Um, and I think even some of the people in the military understood the degree to which the military is decentralized. And I think the army and the Marine Corps are ahead of the Navy here because when you think about a unit in Iraq or Afghanistan, they're split up. Yep. They're all over the place. You can't control them the traditional way where the sergeant's standing behind and saying, okay, you know, everyone out of your foxhole yep. because you just can't control it. And so th- those organizations have had to deal with this in, in, for over a decade now, and they're doing well. Um, the final thing is I ask people some organizational storytelling is really important for us. And so I asked people, hey, think about what organization was really good at telling stories. And, you know, most people say, you know, Disney or Pixar's. Um, oh, they're really good. at You know, Steven Spielberg's really good at telling stories. Okay, great. Anybody else? The military hardly ever comes up. But mm-hmm. if I say, I want you to find a, a story about somebody in the military who's done something really exceptional and you got 30 seconds to do it, you can find it. Right. You just type in Medal of Honor winner. Absolutely. U.S. Marine Corps. Yep. And and we are so good. And I, and I undervalued this while I, while I was in the service. I undervalued the power of those stories to create this cultural um, text, this, this uh, um, 
text, from textile, from to weave together this cultural fabric of this is what it means to be a Marine. This is what it means. And and, and so when I say, I know you know what it means to be a Marine Mm -hmm. so that when you go on the other side of that hill and you got to make a decision because you got a bunch of angry people coming at you, but they're just farmers with empty, you know, milk um, buckets. What do you do? Like, I trust that you know what to do because you know what it means to be a Marine. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I look back. I train now. I train organizations on the 14 leadership traits of the Marine Corps, the 11 leadership principles. And it wasn't until I got out and went into the civilian sector that I realized how important they were. And they were just ingrained in it. They were, they were developed in me from the moment I stepped off of the bus and entering boot camp. But I didn't know how to really apply them yet. And when they're, when they're void in your environment, you realize how much you miss them. Right. Yeah. And the stories, too. Every one of my presentations, I'm going to talk about Chesty Puller or Admiral Nimitz, or I'm going to go back to these stories of what it means to be a Marine and and how they were great communicators, how they were great leaders, how they inspired people. And so no matter how decorated they were, it was about how much they cared for their people. And I think that's something that for a lot of people is eye-opening. They think that everybody's in there just barking orders, and then we follow commands. And I try and tell people, even though I was only in for four years, once I got out of boot camp, there wasn't a lot of yelling and screaming. They had developed me as a leader, and I understood my commander's intent. I understood you know, the, what the platoon sergeant needed or what the captain needed. I understood that. And because they developed me as a leader, I could take initiative and hopefully get everything right. But they weren't chasing perfection. It was more of a striving for progress. So there was some acceptable boundaries on uh, understanding intent. But the the guidance that I received for them, I, I miss that today, that, that camaraderie that's there. And I think I strive to create that in the environments I work with. I, I certainly miss the, the brotherhood, if you will. Yeah, I, you know, one of the benefits we have in a submarine is that um, – you can't get off the ship if you think it's sinking. Like we're all going, either we're all coming home together or we're all going down together. Yeah. And there was a degree of um, trust that was, it was almost like the air that you breathe. Mm-hmm. And um, so I go to these corporations and, you know, there's a lot of bad behavior. And mm-hmm. uh, because people have the opportunity to, 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 win as individuals there's no such thing as winning on as an individual when you you're on a you know win as an individual but have the organization lose that's not right the the, the, the two those two circles don't overlap that's when right. you're on a submarine or or in a unit sure. which is getting overrun by the enemy yeah so you touched down earlier on a on a concept that i was hoping you could uh expand upon a little bit on the ladder of leadership and your, your thoughts on how to establish that in an organization. Yeah. So the, the concept is we call it the ladder of leadership and the concept is you listen to um, it's a, it's a ladder of basically empowerment or ownership and it starts at the bottom with tell me what to do. And it's like, here's what I think or here's what I see. I, I tell me what to do. I see is, which is description. I think I would like to, permission-based, I intend to, I've done it, and this is what I've been doing. So those are the seven mm-hmm. levels. Um, 
we have a website, ladder, ladderofleadership.com, if you want to check it out. And so the idea is instead of matching the person at their level, so if they, if they come in to your office and tell me what to do, you tell them what to do and they, and they go on their way, we call it you level up. You invite them up to the next level. And we, the key word invite, you don't control, you don't order, right. you don't manipulate. You just simply you open the door and you say, hey, what do you think here? Or what, what, would, you know, what do you intend to do? And and they may not bite. They may right. not accept your in- invitation. That's right. why it's an invitation, not an order. And they say, you know what? I, I just why don't you just tell me what to do, and we can get this, you know, silliness over with. <laughs> Great, go do that. But I just want you to know when you come back with another issue, I'm going to ask you the same thing. And so you plant to see. And eventually, they're probably one of two things. They're going to like this. This dude is a nut, and I'm out of here. Or <laughs> They're going to take that take 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 you up on your invitation because in general people like they like having more authority they like having more control we know from science yes. that people are healthier when they perceive that they got more control in their life and so you're helping your people not only feel better about their jobs but actually be healthier go home healthier because they've got control you went through a super tough amazing situation with your wife and i'm guessing uh, you know the degree to which like you could have said oh it's the doctor's job to heal us Mm -hmm. or it's the chemicals job to heal us or whatever it was like i don't or you could say look we're doing this so what was your experience on that eric you know it's interesting that you bring that up we um the name of our podcast is your pathway to success and when Gina was first diagnosed, we had no background in cancer. We didn't know any family members or friends who had it. And we sat down at one point. They'd given us the, the diagnosis that she would go through a year of treatments of chemotherapy and radiation, and she would end up having to have a stem cell transplant. And so we never knew where the path was going to lead. But we made the decision that regardless of what news we heard, we were going to go to po- from point A to point B with the best attitude possible. We were going to enjoy our journey together. And so regardless of what the doctor said, regardless of what they prescribed, I actually made a conscious effort to do something her oncologist suggested, which was to keep her positive. And I feel that that was the number one treatment they prescribed to me for her was to keep her spirits high and, and focus on her and what was going through her thoughts uh, obviously, there was a lot of bad news coming, a lot of challenging diagnoses coming out. But um, to keep her focused on the future was huge. Yeah, that's so that's so important. And 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 I guess underpinning that was you. It, fundamental to that was the decision that you guys were in charge of your own happiness. You guys were in charge of your own positivity. It wouldn't have worked if you had said, you know what, all these people, it's their job. And I can I can allow my situation to define my happiness, or I can be to choose that I'm that I'm in charge of that. I control that. I decide what it is based on what's going on inside of my um, inside of me. And uh, oh, you're absolutely right. In fact, well, you know, well done on well done on that. Thank you. And that's what led to the creation of Think Great, which is the concept that I believe. People can control two things no matter what, their thoughts and their actions. They can think great no matter what they face. And so uh, I do. I agree with that feeling of empowerment when you are in control. And when she was diagnosed, 
especially from a Marine veteran, to be out of control is not a good thing. We like to be in control of things. And, right. and at that point, I felt when she was first diagnosed that I was in control of nothing, and I felt very void of, uh, of any power. And when her oncologist said to keep her positive, I took that. I call it my caregiver orders, and I followed them to the T. And I, and I understood his intent. His intent was to keep her focused beyond the challenges. And that, that control did. Right. It, it helped me out as much as it helped her. Yeah, this, the story is reminding me, um, I think it's because of the think part. So there's an organization in Glasgow uh, called the Wheatley Group, which runs basically their subsidized housing mm. or their low-income housing. And it started out as a Glasgow Housing Authority. And it was tough, tough, tough. And, you know, they're they're getting called in. The apartments are a mess. And uh, people are sitting on fire because they're not disposing of their cigarettes properly. And it's all the worst that you can imagine. They treated their people as, as um, you know, clients, basically. And, and they were basically secretly judging them. Well, you, you know, if, you, if your life were squared away, you wouldn't have to live in this low-income housing. Sure. And they implemented a program that they called Think Yes. Okay. I like it. Um, and um, it started out as actually say yes, and then and then they and then they went to think yes. But the idea was, look, just say yes, just just solve their problem, throw out your scripts, throw out your rule books, just solve these people's problems. And it's an amazing story. Wheatley Group, Glasgow Housing Authority, uh, and basically. It, they, I think they're moving the needle on the GDP of Scotland because oh, wow. these people uh, now now they've created this relationship. They're they're solving problems together. They they view themselves in partnerships with their with with the people who are living in their housing units, and they, those people view Wheatley Group in partnership. And now they can get now they're getting jobs. And there's less crime, and I mean, all these amazing things are going going about it. But it's about you know think, um, I love think that. yes, and I and love I think that. Think think great helped me think of that. Yeah, and in fact, uh, and I have a leadership book called The Leadership Connection, and the first part of that is to enhance perceptions, just to get people to think differently. You know, you really can't help them with their actions when they're thinking in ways that undermine them. And so I always say that the toughest road to travel for a leader is that six inches between your team members' ears or your own ears and to really get their, their brain housing groups focused on thinking the right things and thinking of things as a people business and how to empower and engage them and, um, and to move away from the management side of things but to lead them as, as human beings. And I love that part. In the very beginning of your book, I just love that you, you wanted to see a better way. You were striving for a better way. For humans to interact and um, just so profound because I think sometimes leaders forget their organization is comp- comp- comprised of people and they, t- they, they are so right. far removed from the people side of it. And so that, I just yeah. think that was a, just a pro- – there's a lot of great things in your book, but that section about a better way for humans to interact really sums up um, how positive I feel about 
your message, and I and I know you're making a great impact in people. I know it from the the feedback that we get and the excitement we had from our listeners that you were going to be on the show. And I know they're they're very excited to hear this podcast. So there's some really simple things, um, and, and remember, it always starts with you. So uh, another one of our communication things is don't say "Are you sure?" Mm-hmm. Say ask how sure are you and even though it's a very simple very small twist are you sure is binary are you sure pushes people into either yes or no and if they and if they have a sense that are you sure is a normal response then it makes it creates a high barrier i got to be really sure before i bring something up i got to be really sure before i think something's wrong warren Beatty has to be really sure that he's got the wrong envelope before he hands it over to <laughs> faye dunaway and they announce the wrong uh, uh best best movie that's right because he's got the wrong envelope right because <laughs> he has to be really sure it's a very high bar but but if you say well how sure are you and people start getting used to responding in pro in a probabilistic way it enhances their critical thinking, not because you get sent them to a course on critical thinking, but because you change the way you ask the question. That's right. How sure are you? I just saw your nudge. I actually just watched your yeah. nudge on that one too. I think you were yeah. at, there was a lot of water around you and some boats, but um, yeah, that, you know that with the, the, the I'm a little embarrassed by the audio on that one, but yeah, I'm gonna. I was down in Curacao and I was like, okay. oh, I got my, got to get my nudge out, but I'm on vacation, so I really didn't care. I was like, oh yeah, this is a good idea. You know? Well, I'll tell you, I didn't. <laughs> the guy I didn't like it was hard to hear. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the message was so powerful, I didn't pay attention to uh, any audio oh, quality. <laughs> well, I, I you know, I just. I wanted to just, uh, first of all, say thank you. Now, coming from a former corporal, to be able to talk to a captain in the Navy, this is a big thing for me. So I'm, I'm very honored to have you uh, to on our show. And if, if there was one final thought, and, and uh, in addition to the thought that you could leave with our audience, if you can also tell them how to get in touch with you, how to find you, um, I, w- I would appreciate that. Yeah. So, so the thought is, first of all, leadership is hard. Okay. Leadership means dedicating yourself to helping other people have a better life. And it, it, it will go against your instincts. It's it, it, when you feel like you're going against your instincts, like your instinct will be to take, always be in control, right? You be in control. So when you're giving control, it'll feel wrong. You know, when, when you want to make it, uh, you want to, you, you're going to want certainty. Like this is how your life is programmed. And so the best way to do is for you to make the decision. And so leadership, I think, is hard because in many ways, leaders are not born. And if anything, we're born with the instincts of not being what I think is creates actual great leadership. And so you're going to have to go against your instincts. And it all starts with you. Like if you're thinking, oh, I got a good list for my people to do, you missed the point. That's right. Uh, yeah, it's easy. Um, just check out the book, Turn the Ship Around, and thanks, Eric, for uh, your kind words on that. And uh, Or you can check out our website, davidmarquet.com. But probably the, the easiest thing to do to get a kind of sense of what we're talking about is go to our, our YouTube channel, which is called Leadership Nudges. And on it, you'll find a whole bunch of one- to two-minute snippets we have about 140 of them at this point little snippets little reminders little tidbits nothing's gonna nothing's gonna be your next lottery ticket to your (laughs) private island but uh cumulatively i think um i think they can have a big impact i i believe so i've been listening to them and they're absolutely great and captain marquet i just wanted to thank you again on behalf of uh think great and all of our listeners for taking the time out of your busy schedule to 
share some of those leadership nudges, those secrets with us, and to enhancing all of our lives personally and professionally. Thank you so much. Cheers, and thanks to all your listeners. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining me on today's journey. For more information about ThinkGreat, visit thinkgreat90.com. And please give our podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. As always, embrace the day and think great. Your story, it lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives.